0: a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot.
0: Hey you guys, today's episode of Other People is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy for you to create your own professional website or online portfolio. And now, you can also create your own logo using Squarespace Logo. It's an amazing service, and it's very easy to use. Packages start at just eight bucks a month, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Also, every single website design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that will match the overall style of your website so your content will always look great on every device, every time. So let's go, people. Start a trial right now, no credit card required, and start building your website. Visit squarespace.com, and when you sign up at Squarespace, be sure to use the offer code OTHERPEOPLE. Again, that offer code is OTHERPEOPLE. You do that, you get 10% off. Go to squarespace.com right now and take advantage of this deal it's the very best way to build or improve your web presence squarespace it's everything you need to create an exceptional website so go and create one. Oh my god you are not alone
1: you have found other people you and i have a friend in common
0: every stupid thing that a writer could do i've done I think it's really beautiful. Jesus, what a struggle, you know? It was incredible. You know, it was like your head exploded seeing what was really there.
1: And now here's your host, Brad Listy.
0: Just one person at just one time. Right. Okay, you <laughs> right. guys, here we go again. This is it. This is other people. This is keeping you company while you work for a company. This is me earnestly trying to connect with other human beings by sitting alone in a small, poorly ventilated room. Thank you for being here. My name is Brad Listy. I'm in Los Angeles. I hope you're doing well. Uh, My guest today is Spencer Madsen. Spencer Madsen. Some of you may know Spencer. Uh, Some of you may not know Spencer. He's the founder of an independent press based out of uh, Brooklyn. It's called Sorry House, and he is also the author of two books. The first one is called A Million Bears. It's a book of poetry. And the latest, which is also a book of poetry, is forthcoming in April from Publishing Genius. It's called You Can Make Anything Sad. So I'm going to be talking with Spencer in just a moment. And uh, actually, uh, he's going to be here, right here in this room. He is in Los Angeles visiting. He is staying with Mira Gonzalez, a young writer from Venice Beach. And she is driving him over here as we speak. And together, uh, they will be in this studio within minutes. And speaking of Mira, some of you may remember her. She guested on this program back in 2012. And here is a brief excerpt of that conversation. (laughs)
1: And I think a a lot of people have definitely had that. I mean, there's definitely people who've had long-term relationships because they met someone, you know, through the online literary scene and, you know, people...
0: See, I've always said this. I've always... Because, like, obviously online dating is a thing and it's big and it works and it's a billion-dollar industry. And what I always said is that if there was some way to make, like, a literary dating site, which I guess these things are functioning as in some capacity anyhow... It would be really effective because what better way to get to know who somebody is than to read their innermost thoughts? Yeah. Well, and I think that that's like, that's a huge thing, definitely, in like this alt lit scene, because I think it's, it's. um, Okay. So that's Mira Gonzalez from uh, episode 133. If you want to hear the full hour long <laughs> conversation with Mira, it goes on from there. I don't mean to cut her off, but there's a lot to get to. So if you want to hear the full hour-long conversation with Mira, episode 133, all you have to do is sign up for Other People Premium. What does that mean? Uh, It means you subscribe to the podcast so that you can have access to the archives every single episode. And the good news is that it's only $2 a month. Uh, Or you can pay $5 for six months, or else you can pay $9 for a full year of access. That's it. It's a no-brainer. You sign up. You support the show. You get access to everything, every single conversation. You can hear me talk to authors like uh, Blake Butler, Megan Boyle, Tao Lin, Sam Lipsight, Roxane Gay, Ben Marcus, Ben Fountain, Sheila Hetty, Kate Zambrino, Sam Pink, and uh, George Saunders, just to name a few. The easiest way to do this is to go get the free Other People app. The app is available now for your iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, or Android device. You download the app for free. And then you get the latest 50 episodes of this show for free. And then uh, to access the other, uh, you know, 200 uh, something episodes, you sign up for premium for a couple of bucks and you can sign up right there in the app. So please go do that. Go get the free app and then sign up for premium and support the program. So let me do some mail real quick and then we can get started with Spencer Madsen. The first email comes to me from a listener named Beth who writes, Dear Brad, I just listened to the Lauren Grodstein episode. That's episode number 216. When you discuss your issues with listening to other people eating, do you know that's a real thing? It's called misophonia. Check it out. It's been covered on 2020, Dr. Phil, and in lots of print articles. Not that there's anything to do about it, but as usual, it's nice to know you're not alone. Really love your work. Thanks for all. Sincerely, Beth. So thanks, Beth. And you know what? I think I'm in the majority on this one. I have to believe that. I have to believe that a majority of human beings have misophonia. And, you know, like like, this is one of those things where if you have the disorder, if you have misophonia, it's better than not having it. I'm glad I have it. (laughs) And I'm troubled by people who do not have misophonia. I'm deeply disturbed by people who can quietly tolerate the sound of somebody else eating cereal at close range. That's fucked up. If you can do that, you need medical attention. If you can do that. (laughs) So uh, I then got a couple of uh, similar emails out of the blue, like meaning that the two emails had similar themes. The first one uh, that I'm going to read is from a listener named William who writes dear Brad, I hope this doesn't freak you out. I'm a longtime fan of your podcast and I respect what makes you tick. I need your advice. A simple yes or no. Should I move to Los Angeles? I'm a 30 something fiction writer hopped up on red wine at the moment. I'm in the South and I'm, I'm unhappy with my current life. Should I take the leap? Yay or nay? Life is short or big mistake. Advice greatly appreciated, Brad. Sorry, this is weird, but I'm a fan Sorry if this is weird, but I'm a fan regardless. I love other people signed William. And then the uh, the other email that I got, which is of a similar vein, comes from a listener named Ben, who writes, "Hi Brad, uh, I was born and raised on Long Island, but consider myself a New Englander at heart, having moved to Vermont at the age of 15. I'm now 26." And I've lived in new England, almost half of my life. I'm considering relocating to either of the two Portland's either Maine or Oregon. Part of me thinks it's better to experience a new place. Although Portland, Oregon being saturated with writers, both excites and concerns me for obvious reasons. The other part of me feels I would serve myself better by staying grounded in new England. I've never lived in Maine before, so it would still be a new experience. What do you think? Is it better to grow roots in one place or have different experiences living in various places? I understand this is a very personal issue, but I was hoping you might have some insight. Thanks, Ben. Okay, so uh, William and Ben. Uh, William is drunk on red wine and unhappy in the South, and Ben is in Vermont and contemplating a move to either Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon. And, you know, I have no idea what to tell you guys. I don't know what to say. Los Angeles is expensive. It's a hard city to live in. If you, if you know what you really want to do is write fiction all day, uh, unless you have money somehow, otherwise you're probably going to be working some other job and, you know, doing all sorts of different things to try and get money to pay your bills. That's been my experience. It's just a cost of living issue. And yet it's a great place to live. And I do like it here personally. Uh, And then as far as Portland, Oregon versus Portland, Maine goes, uh, you know, Portland, Maine's probably uh cheaper, nominally cheaper. There's something to be said for either course. You know, I'm a person who has moved around a lot and has lived in different cities and different countries. And, uh, those experiences have been valuable, but I don't really have uh, a home, you know, like Los Angeles is the closest thing to a, to a hometown that I've ever had. I've lived here for almost 13 years and uh, it's the longest that I've ever lived anywhere by far. Uh, so I envy people who have a real sense of rootedness and know where they come from, so to speak. But, you know, as far as writing goes, I've seen it work both ways. You know, there's no right answer. Some people, uh, their work really benefits from having a strong sense of place, uh, kind of a regionality. And, uh, you know, other writers, they lead these, uh, nomadic, you know, nomadic lives and uh, it shows up in their work and it's great. So, It's up to you. I can't tell you what to do. The only thing I can tell you with uh, some confidence is that geography is almost never going to solve your problems. Like if you have problems and you think that moving is going to fix them, you're probably wrong. If you're unhappy in the South, chances are you'll be unhappy in LA. The best thing to do uh, most likely is to address the, the inner turmoil and then make a decision about where to move or not. So, the way out is not out. The way out is in. A change of location almost never, uh, in my experience anyway, equals a change between your ears. Okay? So, good luck. And uh, if anyone out there wants to email me, the address is letters at otherpeoplepod.com. And if you would like to leave me a voice message, you can do that over at the show's official website, otherpeoplepod.com. Just click on send voicemail over at the right side of the page. a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. My guest today, once again, is Spencer Madsen. His new poetry collection is called, you can make anything sad. It is due out in April, 2014 from publishing genius press. I'm very pleased to have Spencer here on the program. Uh, and in the home studio in Los Angeles. So, here he is. This is Spencer Madsen. And his new book, once again, is called You Can Make Anything
1: Sad. I'm here till the 26th. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to go to AWP. You are going to go? hmm You're going to go with Mira? I'm going to go with Mira.
0: What? What's the point?
1: Do you have a table? I don't have a table and I'm not buying tickets to the conference. I heard that the public can't even go to the The thing fair. They can't not allowed something to do with taxes or something. Okay. So what's the point? I don't know the point. I'm not going for AWP. I'm going, I guess because I want to see people and hang out with them.
0: Like who do you want to see?
1: Uh, Adam Robinson.
0: Okay. Who published your book?
1: Yeah. He, he's a publisher of my book and I also want to see Gene Morgan. And Timothy Wallace Sanders. Okay. And who knows who who else will be there?
0: Yeah, just a social event. Yeah. All right. I find myself anxious about AWP. I've talked about this before. Have you gone once? Where? Chicago.
1: What was your experience?
0: It made me anxious. Yeah. Well, I I mean, it just no, it overwhelmed me. It was fine. Yeah. It was fine. I didn't have a table. I was wandering around basically like a convention center. It was a trade show. I met some nice people. I saw some friends.
1: Right. But. I Well, the nice part is I won't be staying in a hotel. So I feel like the hotel situation can get kind of like lonely and weird. Yeah. And then, you know, like a conference in the hotel, like that whole thing, like it just seems very pink and beige to me. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to stay? Uh, they, the HTML giant people are, they have a house. They're like, I have a feeling that they've done this enough years, like Adam and Gene and whatever. To know how to do it properly. Okay. And so I feel like I'm just going to ride. They rent houses. They don't fuck around. Exactly. They're yeah. not doing hotels. Gene's Jean, talking about um, making eggs for everyone and, okay. and doing a it reading. disgusting. I don't like eggs. <laughs> At all?
0: No. Just it's a little embryo and you, I, I'm not a meat person. Yeah, it
1: is a weird thing. Yeah. Eggs are super weird. And they smell bad. They smell bad. Yeah. If you, if you don't cook them well, they smell bad. Yeah. They smell bad, even if you do. Just cooked <laughs> eggs are disgusting. It's a weird thing to think about.
0: Yeah, I know. But I don't, I don't like if to think you about think it.
1: about anything that you're eating other than like vegetables and fruit, it's super weird and gross.
0: Exactly. That's why I only eat vegetables and fruit. I don't believe you. I do. I swear to God. Ask Mira. Mira, am I telling the truth? You're telling the truth. Yeah. Are you Mira, vegan? Uh, essentially, Let's- Mira Gonzalez is in uh, the room here with Spencer because you're staying with Mira.
1: Yeah, I'm living in our parents' house. Are you guys, like, sleeping in the same bed? We're sleeping, like, in the same bed, and it's platonic and bad. Do you, I mean, do you spoon? (laughs) We don't spoon. You don't? No. Do you have,
0: like, one, like, your feet and head are at different sides of the bed?
1: No, we have individual pillows, but we share a blanket, and it's really tense because there's a lot of issues with the blanket. Okay. Um... She likes to steal the blanket. That's just what she likes to do when she's asleep. That's and, like her favorite thing. And you can do this. You guys can just like
0: platonically sleep in the same bed together. That's yeah. a thing that you can, okay.
1: Yeah. I, I have like absolutely no sexual interest. in <laughs> uh,
0: Mira and the feeling I take it is mutual. Yeah. The feeling mutual. Okay. So, um, all right. So you're in Los Angeles. You're just out here visiting. Are you scouting for a move? Are you planning on moving out here? Or is this just purely like a vacation?
1: So, it, yeah, it, the idea was kind of thoughtless, but a vacation. Like, I have enough savings if I don't pay rent to do this for a while. Um, and with money from Sorry House to kind of, like, string me along, I could do it. Um, You're
0: making that much money from Sorry House?
1: It's it's pretty good. Yeah? It's pretty good. Yeah. Mirror's book has been really successful. Cool. Um, But... My first few days here, I'm immediately thinking like, all right, I'm either going to move out here or I'm not. I need to go look for jobs. I like dropped off resumes at like local bike shops and stuff like that. And it took me a few days to realize that it's okay to just be on vacation and to not be looking for, you know, the next step in my life. But
0: I feel like whenever I go to a different city, I spend like at least the first two days contemplating moving there.
1: That's what I did. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I looked at Craigslist listings. I had like two meetings with the guy who wanted to hire me. Where? At, at, at a just a local bike shop here. He like like wanted... a bicycle shop. Bicycle shop. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. like that's what I do in Brooklyn part time. So right. it's kind of like wherever I go, like that's like what I can do for like an hourly wage.
0: Are you a cyclist? Yeah, you are.
1: Yeah, it's how I get around.
0: You you ride a bike around? Yeah, I
1: don't have a driver's license.
0: Okay, so but do you take the subway when it's cold?
1: I hate the subway.
0: Okay. So you get on a bike. If you have to go into Manhattan from Brooklyn, yeah. you're taking a bike.
1: Yeah. I'll like, I'd rather ride like for an hour than take a subway for 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm kind of the
0: same way. Yeah. I just, it's just like the weather factor. You'll do it in shitty weather too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got like, I've got all the intense gear to make sure it's all right. Um, what kind of bike? Like I, this is a single speed. It's like a steel single speed,
0: which I guess you'd, you, know, it's also, it's also flat. Anyway.
1: Yeah. There's almost no Hills. Um, Can you fix a bicycle that's broken? I I'm I know the basics right. of like mechanics. Yeah.
0: Do you wear spandex when you ride?
1: No, I did that for <laughs> I did that for a while when I first got into it, and I was like in high school. Yeah. I'm like I'm gonna join a team and like shave my legs, and I had like the spandex <laughs> kit and everything. Did you ride in a velodrome? I have never ridden ridden in a velodrome.
0: I had a buddy in high school who got into cycling and. Uh, there's a velodrome yeah. in Indianapolis, of all places, because Indianapolis had hosted the Pan American Games, right. which is like the Junior Olympics, essentially, um, or like a hemispheric version of the Olympics, I think. And so there was a velodrome, and he would go there and ride, which yeah. I think – and I think a velodrome is actually sort of intense because you're at a pretty steep
1: Yeah, angle. and the bike that you're supposed to ride on a velodrome doesn't have brakes. Okay. So there's a steep learning curve to, like, getting going on it. Yeah. But – I mean, my thing about biking is that cars are inherently bad, Uh and the MTA that runs um, the public transit in New York, I just don't want to give them any of my money. Okay. Because I commuted from the Bronx, which is an outer borough, to Manhattan for school from, like, 11 to 18 in my life. Where did you go to school in Manhattan? I went to a small performing arts high school um, called talent unlimited high school for the performing arts.
0: What were you, uh, like a, a theater person? Yeah. I you did were? acting. You did. Uh huh. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I did acting all throughout my youth. Can you sing? No, okay. no. I took vocal lessons for a while. Can you dance? Uh, no. Okay. But also, I, you know, I did all of <laughs> What that. the fuck can you do? <laughs> <sighs> Hopefully write. Yeah. And publish. Did you, when did you, uh, make the transition where you were like, you know what? I'm not going to be an actor. I'm going to be a writer. Um. So, I in high school, and I still hear it in myself, so I have a, a slight lisp. Okay. And it was much worse in high school. And my high school was very oriented toward theater and, like, Shakespeare. Okay. And I just didn't have the enunciation skills... For uh, Shakespeare and live theater, so it was just like clear to me. It's like you know, you hit a wall in something like sports. Maybe in high school, you realize you're just you're not there. Right.
0: Um, I hit that wall in like eighth grade. Yeah. I wasn't even. <laughs> it's in all high downhill. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, once I realized that, was like not super fast. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I was a good athlete. I was coordinated, but like I wasn't.
1: Yeah cuz when you're kids you're all on a similar level like there's age differences and that's what you attribute everything to. Yeah. Um but when you get when you get to a certain age you get a better sense of the world and the differences between yourself and other people and you see people who are just better and they're just going to be better.
0: Did you go to high school with people who have gone on to like fancy theater careers or acting careers?
1: Not yet. I mean, I One kid who is very good in my class has had some TV jobs. He's been on like, uh, I don't know, those those like CSI or whatever shows like that. Yeah, procedurals. But for the most part, they all seem to be, and this is what I actually feel kind of proud of with my high schools. They all seem to be doing their own thing, like the way I I feel like I'm also doing my own thing. Like they're, you didn't go to college. I didn't. Well, I went for a year and a half, and then you dropped out. Yeah, I dropped out of like three schools. Why? Uh, I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't like you just don't like the classroom environment. You'd rather just be working. No, I love the classroom environment. Like at its best, I feel totally at home in it. I'm like super engaged. But the the discrepancy between the high school experience or the classroom experience at its best and what most classes felt like yeah. was so huge that I just felt super unhappy a lot. Um, And so I would get really depressed because, like, I would then want to spend my time, my free time, like, reading and writing and doing things that, like, personally made me happy. And I didn't have time for those things because I had to read and write these other things I didn't care about. So it just seemed like there's nothing really stopping me from just doing what I want to do if I can support myself doing it.
0: Okay, so this is an interesting point because I feel like this is maybe, like, a generational shift where... Your generation, I guess it's the millennial generation. Is, sure. that, is that an act? I mean, whatever. I don't it know, is.
1: X or Y or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, but I feel like young people today who are, you know, in their early 20s or about to hit their early 20s and are of college age, especially those who are artistically inclined, might be looking at the um, cost benefit. You know, the, the if you have to take on student loans, I don't know if that was the case with you, but if you do. You know, it's like, do I want to walk out of there with like $100,000 of debt hanging over me? Or do I just want to get started working? Right. And is college worth it? Because Mira, you know, I don't think... Mira, are you going to finish? No.
1: No. No. Neither... I mean, a lot of our friends are in a similar situation. Gabby Bess, formerly Gabby Gabby, she also dropped out of school and just moved to New York. And I feel like we're all kind of just like... Are you worried,
0: though? Do you ever think to yourself, am I fucking up? Like, am I fucking... No. No.
1: No, I mean, I, I don't worry in in context of college and like career. I worry in terms of, am I making the right decision right now um, for myself? But college doesn't seem to be a part of that because like everyone I work with at the bicycle shop, like they're all photography and art majors who have college degrees and loans that they're paying off. Right. And so they're trapped working full time to pay off these loans. Like you graduate college so that you can get a better salary. But you need that better salary to pay off college. Right. So it just puts you in a position that, like, doesn't give you the time to pursue other things that aren't as profitable but maybe make you happier. And so what's your what's your plan? Do you have a plan?
0: Like, are you going to be – create, you've created Sorry House, the independent press. You're writing your own books. Is that it? You're going to become a publisher? Or do you have, like, a, a- – larger thing that you're trying to do.
1: It's tough. I think about it all the time. And like, especially coming to LA, like and Vouge, I'm freaking out on a five to 10 minute rotation <laughs> of like, am I moving to LA? Or if I'm moving to LA, I need to pursue these things. If I'm not moving to LA, I need to figure out what I'm doing. And if I'm going to go back to New York, how am I going to make rent? And if I'm going to make rent, is it going to be by getting a real job or am I going to work an hourly job that gives me more freedom? Or can I get a job that feels like freedom, but also pays me well? Like, all these things are constantly What's a job? on my mind. No, it's, it's on my mind, too. I mean, and I'm almost twice your age. Like, what is a job that feels like freedom but pays you a lot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it exists. I think another reason why college doesn't seem appealing to me is because I think my ideal situation is what I have right now or what I have in New York, which is I can work, like, three to four days a week at a independent bike shop where I have like a really nice environment with my coworkers and my boss. And like, it doesn't feel demeaning and it doesn't feel draining. Um, I get to interact with people. I feel engaged. Right. Um, you're helping people. Bikes are good. Bikes are good. And like, you know, the, it's not a corporate environment. Like my boss is like standing right next to me with this kid, you know? Yeah. So that feels super good. And then I can only, I can work there like three or four days a week and support the rest of my life. Whereas if I had a full-time job that was also creative, I'd be devoting all of my creative, you know, like energy toward this job as well as all of my time. Because it's like, you know, a full-time job really sucks you. Yeah, they Uh, want your life. Yeah, so it's like it's a super privileged situation to be able to supplement (laughs) income from both a real job and sorry house and books and that kind of thing. And I feel like that's where I want to be even 10 years from now. Well, and, you know, the thing, too, is that I, it sounds like you're wired similarly to me in that uh, you want
0: your work to be, be a positive thing somehow or at least largely positive. Yeah. Like, I feel really conflicted about like if someone were going were to pay me a lot of money to make like a really shitty TV show. Yeah. It would be hard as a father to turn it down. Right. But I would feel like an asshole. Right and it, or, or even worse, if I was going to get paid well and would have some sort of stability, but I would be selling, um, you know, cigarettes or mm-hmm. something that's just bad for people Yeah, <laughs> that has like a negative societal impact, you know, when you add it all up, I don't want to do that. Right. You know? So, and so it's like, there aren't that many jobs where you feel like, uh, okay, what I'm doing here is making a positive difference. A lot of these jobs are just churning, the, you know crap through the system. Yeah. Do you know? I don't know. I don't want me to be too cynical about it. No, I it mean, can feel.
1: yeah, it's, it's, I share that feeling too. And it's hard because there will probably be a time in my life where I want to have kids or I want to settle down and not live with a bunch of roommates in New York. Um, how many roommates do you have? So I was... In the apartment I was living in in New York, we had five people in a three-bedroom. Okay. Um, Were you sleeping platonically with somebody? (laughs) No. No. Um, I was sleeping with my girlfriend. Oh, okay. And there were two couples in the apartment and then one single guy. So it was extremely cheap rent. Yeah. And that's also, like, another important thing with, like, the working part-time lifestyle is that you just have to, like, keep your costs really low. Right.
0: Right. Um, Where do you keep your costs really low? Like, What's the neighborhood in Brooklyn? I guess it's just the amount of people crammed into a place, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we were also in a very cheap neighborhood of Brooklyn. We were, we were in Bed-Stuy, which, like every other neighborhood in a year, will go up like 10% or something like that. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only sustainable for so long. And then it goes. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be out in Queens. Yeah, you just move farther and farther out. It's funny. like I My paychecks have gotten better. I moved to Brooklyn... Uh, like, three and a half years ago. And my paychecks have only gotten better, but I've only paid more rent for worse apartments. You know? I'm just like, everything just gets more expensive that quickly. Yeah. That I'm priced out of a neighborhood immediately, you know, like, one year in. Like, my lease is up and I can't stay in that neighborhood. Is it
0: sustainable? Do you ever... I mean, because, like, I feel like there's a similar thing going on in big cities everywhere. New York is just kind of, like, the most... Um, concentrated example of it maybe or you know, yeah but- it
1: does seem like everywhere like gentrification like in new york is something that you can literally watch before your eyes like in in you can stay in one neighborhood for three months and watch two cafes open up that are clearly catering to the gentrifying um population but it does appear to be i feel like it can't I mean, eventually it's gonna pop yeah like people can't live
0: well, how, like who's living there? Who can afford all this in New York? Like, you know, like there's how many rich people can there be? Yeah. And all the artists are getting priced out. I mean, yeah, I don't mean to, I don't, I don't
1: mean to sound too depressed. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I had the answer, you yeah. know, and it's, it's tough too. like, it's tough living in Brooklyn and like wearing the face of gentrification too. Um, because like, you know, like I I go outside and like, I'll be the only young white dude on my block and then I know that I'm wearing that face for all my neighbors, right? You know, like You're it's like, just there like, there all of it is super. Yeah, I don't. There's a
0: the little little asshole know. on his
1: yeah. bike. Exactly.
0: He's come to take over our neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's bleak. But um, I feel like eventually the other shoe is going to drop. I mean, eventually these prices are going to the bubble's got to burst. Yeah, it's got to. Then we'll come flooding back in triumphantly.
1: Yeah. No. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe like we all go to like a different, like a South American country or something. Well, I
0: mean, this is the thing is that like they're giving away homes essentially to artists in Detroit. Detroit. So if you're willing to go live in Detroit, you know, artists could for all of, you know, all the bitching that I do on this show about how difficult it is to, you know, have a sustainable life economically as an artist. If you, if you're willing to go live in Detroit, if we could just go in mass there and take over neighborhoods you can do something really interesting. And I think that a lot of times it's out of the wreckage of, um, some sort of urban society, whether it's wreckage that's generated by war, uh, or wreckage that's you know, generated by financial calamity. Yeah. You know, that's where a lot of this, you know, regeneration and interesting stuff happens. And, you know, there's the, like the lost generation romance or whatever, that fantasy of like being over in Paris and, or in some foreign country that has like, you know, a wonderful cultural capital that you can go live in for a song. But, that's not the case anymore. If you want to live in a city for a song, you're in Detroit or you're in like, right? You know, Cambodia or right? <laughs> um, so you just gotta. I mean, have you ever considered just saying, "I'm gonna go move to the craziest country that's so cheap"? And
1: not country, I do consider other cities all the time. Like where,
0: aside from Los Angeles,
1: I mean, you name it. Like Mira can also vouch for this. That I'm just like always saying like let's just go to austin or why aren't we in seattle or like detroit you just get a house or like Philly's super cheap and just like if we just get everyone like everyone moved to new york like it's been a year it's cold it's awful it's expensive there let's just go somewhere else where it doesn't have those problems like let's go where it's cold and awful and cheap exactly <laughs> i mean my feeling in going to la was like if i'm gonna be unhappy everywhere why not be warm
0: exactly that's why i'm here i'm miserable but it's sunny yeah. Um but no, I'm not miserable. I think that um it's a trade-off, you know? Like you get to live in New York City, you have access to all that it has to offer. It's a wonderful city in a lot of ways. Yeah. You love it. It's your home.
1: Well, I mean, the thing about New York is the main benefit I think as a writer and why I don't think it makes sense as a writer to get a house in Detroit. Like I can understand if you're someone who is like maybe a painter and just like needs time and space and cheap funds. And, you know, they just need a studio and they need to be alone. Like, that makes sense to me. But the big, especially as a publisher, too, in New York, it's really about the connections. It's about being friends with people. It's about like... You
0: really think so? That's how, I mean, I guess that's how it works. Everybody's got to... Yeah.
1: I think, I think Sorry House is 100% a product of me and Mira being nice to people and them being supportive back. In New York City. Yeah,
0: in New York. To people who have like media jobs in proximity to the publishing business. And, you know, that's, I mean, that is where the business still is. But don't you feel it decentralizing? I mean, you're starting your own independent. Yeah,
1: I don't think it's a publishing world. I think it's just a media world. Uh I think it's just like uh, the amount of magazines and publications and like the frenzy of people that will just show up to things if you have them. Yeah, like if you have a reading in New York, there's just there's gonna be a packed room most of the time, just because like that's the culture there. People go out to readings all the time, and I mean that appears to be different here in L.A. But um, there's just such a community ready to. Be if you, if you have supportive. a reading in a small enough room in LA, it will be packed. <laughs> it's just got to be small.
0: And it depends. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that people are out uh, out of their apartments. Their apartments are tiny. They're out to eat. They're out and about. Yeah. Los Angeles, people are in their cars and then they drive home and then I mean, it's like, do I want to get in my car? And, you know. Right. It's hard. And then, do you park? Like, where do you park? <laughs> it's like, it really is. It's like, those are the sorts of like things yeah. that you, that figure into your decision. But yeah. You know, if you do enough, if you give people enough lead time and you're diligent, you can get people out. Yeah,
1: you got to get in their appointment books. Yeah,
0: exactly. So um, you don't know where you're going to be. It could be in New York. It could be Los Angeles. It could be some other city. You, you're you in flux at this particular moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, who's the? What's the front runner? What's that mean?
0: I don't know. What city, if, if you had to place a wager on where you'll wind up, what would you say?
1: Uh, probably back in New York. Yeah. Or back in Mira's house. Because the- <laughs> <laughs> those are the safer options. How do you feel about that, Mira? Uh, no
0: comment.
1: <laughs> how does her mom feel about it? <laughs> yeah, how is your, how's
0: your family? Is your family enjoying having Spencer as like a, another uh, resident? Yeah,
1: they've kind of absorbed him as like another child. Okay. I don't like have a say in the matter, really. <laughs> okay.
0: It's not stressful to have a house guest for that long?
1: It's kind of like... Like having two of me or something. Okay. Yeah. I don't feel like anyone makes a distinction between me and any of the other children. Are you, you're not an intrusive guest. You don't make a lot of, you don't have a lot of demands. You I think I'm a good guest.
0: You are. I do dishes. Do you, re- did you rent a bicycle? Do you miss your bicycle?
1: I do. Yeah. But it's also fun to make Mira drive me to things like this. I was going to say, you guys could have gotten a tandem bike and made the, <laughs> made the drive. Um, okay, so uh,
0: your family. What's it, where? Are you, like, what your family? New Yorkers. Yeah, you grew up in the Bronx. For
1: generations. Yeah, um, I grew up in a part of the Bronx called Riverdale, which is a very pleasant, uh, kind of a small town feel. Okay, um, it's it's kind of uh, very distinct from the rest of the borough of what you picture the Bronx to be. Okay, um, but from a young age, I would commute to Manhattan for school. So I quickly lost any sense of community with any of the friends I had growing up because they went to the local school and I would go to like a public school far away. Why did you go to the private? Like, did your parents sense that you had
0: an artistic bent and you needed...
1: The- it's, a, it's a it's a public school, uh-huh. um, but like with an audition system. Oh, so you got um, in. Yeah. But it, it's also the worst, like on paper, the worst. Uh, performing arts high school in new york oh it is everyone wants to go to a school <laughs> called LaGuardia guardia that my brother got into uh-huh for i have a
0: friend who went there
1: yeah it's the one that like jennifer aniston and like yeah, and yeah. brody de niro they all go
0: that's where they went yeah
1: uh, robert de niro went there pretty sure yeah uh-huh. pretty sure um i you
0: know, had cecil castellucci on this show she went there she was a classmate with jennifer aniston
1: uh my brother had a teacher there Mr. Youseem, who's a very he was a very bitter man and he told Jennifer Aniston when she was a high school student you are not going to amount to anything. I just always love that story. You know? Yeah, look at her now. <laughs> um so your brother got in there do you, are you bitter about that? I was certainly. Um How old is he? Is he he's younger? He's than 4 you? years older than me. Oh, he is. Yeah. And he's kind of, he's been an extremely influential person in my life. He got, he turned me on to Tao Lin and HTML giant. And before that turned me on to like acting and all the music I was into. What does he do? Uh, he's a web developer. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. He made the Sariya site and a yeah. bunch of other really great stuff.
0: Yeah. That's nice to have a web developer and like a mentor.
1: It is. Yeah. Um, I think it, it is definitely worse for him than it is for me. I don't have to make the website, and he has to be super stressed out as a web developer all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, web de- you know web design is a good thing to be able to do, but like the back and forth and getting the design, it's a tedious process. I've been through it yeah. many times.
1: Yeah, he's he's an extremely talented, hardworking web developer who's just Mira speaks highly of him. Yeah, he thinks he's a nice guy. Tyler. Yeah. Oh yeah, great guy. Love he's that. like a he's saint. a great dude, and it's just I think. Um, it's not an easy profession to make it in if you're not working but he's for not, a he's, safe company. He's, he's not trying to be an
0: actor? He went to LaGuardia. Why isn't he like on Broadway or something? I, I don't know. Can he sing? Can you
1: have him on the show?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could pipe him in by phone. <laughs> yeah. So uh, your parents, supportive? Yeah. They, they like, nurture. you? Know, they you. wish I would go to
1: college. They do. Super hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're probably worried.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they read like whatever New York Times statistic comes out that like something about people not getting jobs or whatever
0: will they pay for you to go to college or can they pay or would you have to get loans
1: um they would i would go to a city college in new york which is a great system and really cheap like three grand a year you know i mean cheap respective to what college costs um and they would pay the tuition but i'd have to pay to live so why not just go get your degree Cause it's a whole lot of time that I'm just not, I don't think it's in my best interest to invest.
0: That's a, that's such a, I mean, and I feel like you're far from alone. I feel like that's a a, a rising tide or something that something feels like it's shifting. Yeah. You know? And I think your parents' generation, even my generation, like I was raised, it was like, you're going to go to college, you're going to get your degree. That's the ticket. And you know, if you're interested in the arts... The The factual reality is that it's just not the ticket. I mean, yeah. it can be part of the ticket. Maybe you go and you get your MFA at Iowa, right. and it's like this big networking adventure, okay. and you won.
1: But short of that, like short of going to the Iowa Writers Program, like if it says that you graduated at some college in your bio at the end of an article, like no shit. one cares. No
0: one cares. and And also in the arts, it's really just a meritocracy. It's like, what have you done? Right. What can you do?
1: Exactly right. And that's how I feel about jobs, too. Like, I feel like if I say try to get a job at penguin or something like that. It's going to be because I can show them like this is some like Sorry House is a project that I've worked on that I've like made happen and you know I'm passionate about publishing for like concrete like reasons like you can look at all the things that I've done not like right the classes I've studied. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like it's it makes it makes my resume like stand out a little bit more to you, would, you would hope I mean the thing about it hope, is yeah. the thing
0: about it is that when people are looking uh, at resumes like I, I've run into this like you build up this thing from scratch and like it's hard yeah I mean try it sometime like take, right. start with zero and then build up a brand or whatever you want to call it a publishing imprint um, do the books soup to nuts get yeah. them out there do the marketing but then you go to somebody and they're like what is that right. it doesn't say Procter & Gamble like, exactly I, I don't know, there's no corporation on this
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I mean, I say that with hope and optimism, but it's also not something that I've attempted. I also have this, I, I, I do see that the world seems to be run by friends. And so I also feel like when it comes down to it, like no one gets a job Like, very rarely do people get their dream job because of a resume. Right. Like, they're not getting it from the slush pile. They're not getting it from, like, a great interview if that interview didn't come from, like, someone internal or, like, a recommendation or something like that.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Well, that's the thing about New York that might be an advantage is that there
0: is more of a social – you have more social entree to people in publishing than you do in other cities just because there's a higher concentration and people in new york seems to be like a more social city than
1: yeah it's extremely social i mean mira and i were both like melissa broder who you've had on the show yeah um she uh emailed me at one point and was like do any of your friends want uh to intern for me at penguin uh because like i'm getting all these crazy people coming in and i said you know like i would love to do it and then after that uh mira was like i want to do it and so we both interned for melissa which was super funny because we went from a peer relationship to like her being the big boss over there and the back um but it's definitely something that was just like happened in a text message
0: yep well and you know that's the way that i guess that's the way things often work and um, down the road, do you think that maybe you could foresee yourself, um, after working independently or whatever, uh, taking some sort of job, uh, at a corporate publisher if, I, if such a job was offered like yeah. an editorship or something like that?
1: Yeah, it would definitely have to be, I think right now if I was offered that, um, I would take it for like two years. Like I would make a deal with myself where I'm going to like build up savings, And have this on my resume and making an experience and not, like, a life choice, you know? Like, I'm going to come out of this, I'm going to budget my money, and, like, in two years, I'll be able to do whatever I want, having done that, and be able to come back to it, have, like, good references, all that. So I'd be thinking in that context, but I'm not ready in my life to commit to it. I don't have a reason to. I don't have kids or anything like that. So I don't feel like I should be doing it yet. Yeah. Kids. If change, I don't need
0: to kids change the uh, calculus. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I know it's going to, it might be a real thing. So, you know, I'm not like closing myself off to it. Like I would still take a pragmatic approach to like, this is an opportunity.
0: Well, and this is another question though, because it kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand with like the decision to not pursue a college education, which carries some risk though. Maybe not as much risk as like your parents think. Yeah. Um, is that I feel like this y- younger generation and my generation compared to my parents' generation or whatever, uh, families are smaller. People yeah. are having less kids or choosing not to have kids. Yeah. Increasingly. It seems like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it, what, that's what
0: animal species do when they're under pressure. By is the way. that true? They don't reproduce as much. It's a natural biological fact. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I think actually historically that's accurate too. I vaguely remember that from high school. Um, just that population grows when there's well, more like, food like the baby boom you know <laughs> yeah. there was the huge like boom and, yeah uh, that was the it's totally totally logical but i i also like even when it comes down to kids too like i fight with the idea of it. like i feel like i should adopt because like that's like completely more ethical like environmentally and like just the fact that there are kids that need parents totally and then i also feel like um if i'm lacking i mean like I don't mean to like at all talk about something that you've made personal choices about, but this is where I feel as a 21 year old, you know, right? a young idiot. That's how old you are? Yeah. Good God. Yeah. Okay. I really could be your father technically. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't, I don't count my views as like developed or informed or anything, but, um, I also feel like, um, if I were to personally have the desire to have kids, not as like a joint thing that I'm doing with someone, like if I personally feel like I want kids, um, that I should maybe focus on other ways of, uh, feeling meaningful and like caring for people and that kind of thing. I don't understand. What do you mean? Just that there seems to be other ways of finding meaning in my life than having kids. And whatever desire, uh, whatever the root cause of wanting kids is, I feel it's like biology. I, sh- well, uh, ho- hoping that it's not just biology, that, um, that but, there's something that I have control over right. Then I should be able to work hard to like sate that feeling to just like fulfill it through artistic means or whatever else or teaching. Yeah. I mean, teaching, like yeah.
0: there's different ways to have like to have an impact or to have even to have, you know, you this like some people can look at it like if they're teachers or if they're somehow coming into contact with people via their work and they're right. making their lives better. Right. It's it's a similar transfer of human energy. Right. I think that like obviously there's more that goes into the calculation to have kids than just right. pure biology, but like I see it over and over again with my friends, um, you know, who have transitioned out of their twenties and into their thirties and everyone's like, I'm not gonna have kids, I'm not gonna get married and then it's like or out of getting married. And then it's like, <laughs> she's pregnant. <laughs> Shit just happens. And then you're also in a relationship with a woman and, and a woman has something to say about, you know, right. It, right. Which is what usually winds up happening though. I do have, uh, people in my life who are
1: like hardcore. They're like, we're not doing it. We don't yeah. want
0: kids. And that's that. And, um,
1: I feel like it's a similar thing with any commitment. People say like, I'm not going to get married. Like that's just like an institution or whatever. And like, you can do it without like a contract or whatever. But, then those same people end up getting married
0: and they have like the, the most like, you know, the wedding with like the cheesy photos and the whole deal (laughs) and they get totally into it, you know? And there's something about it. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, my wife and I, we eloped, so we didn't have like, no one was there. It was just the two of us. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have like the witnesses, but like there is something about the moment of uh, making a commitment. I mean, we had the, the mayor of the town we were in and we had like some strangers <laughs> who were the witnesses. The but, mayor
1: came out. Just well, the mayor you? married us. Oh wow. Yeah. So, Is that just a service he offers?
0: She, she, it was in, we were in Positano, Italy.
1: Oh wow. So
0: we just took off and got married overseas. It was just the two of us. Does it count here? Yeah. You just have to go through like the <laughs> Italian consulate. I mean, it was like this whole rigmarole, but we didn't want to do, you know, the napkins and the centerpiece, right. all the bullshit you yeah. got. to And so we were just like, let's just go somewhere beautiful. We'll get married, we'll come home, we'll have a little party. That sounds super nice. It was great. Yeah. But I do think, like, you know, having done that, it's like, does that piece of paper matter, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I don't know. I che- but, I, you know, it's something you cherish. I'm happy I'm married. Yeah. You know? But, I don't, but at the same time, I can kind of see, like, the, you know, when you actually break down the institution and, like, the meaning. Like, people could be... Totally committed to not be married and it's fine. Right. I don't think that you need to have that.
1: And I think there's something too, especially if you've held firm beliefs in the past, say about not getting married, there's something about the moment of letting that go, like with, with another person or for another person that makes it all the more exciting
0: and like beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I think either one, like people who have like really strong, like almost dogmatic feelings about like being anti-marriage. Mm-hmm uh, are the other side of the coin of people who are like super pro marriage. Mm-hmm. I think it's better to just be like, well,
1: well, yeah, just with anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you
0: know, you see a lot of that and I feel like I see a lot of that. I've seen some of that amongst my friends. Um, you know, it's like, fuck this. I'm not going to do, you know, and it's like,
1: yeah, your uh, friends sound great. <laughs> Friends like this. I mean, it's just like conversation. Seems and, like they just walk around hating shit. Yeah,
0: it's basically my crowd. But you know, you just—I remember in my twenties, especially when it, people were starting to like jump ship and get married, and then the people who are still unmarried were like, def, almost def- an, yeah, it was almost like defending their unmarriedness or something.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're talking through like one of the most cliched yes. stand-up comedy bits. Something. It's just—it's gonna—it's gonna. It's gonna ha- that's why I say biologies because. Yeah. You know, whatever
0: other factors uh, go into it, and there are other factors, at the end of the day, it's just, this is, people couple off. Mm-hmm. It's what human beings do. Yeah. You know, and maybe they don't stay coupled, but like, yeah. that's the way that it I'm goes.
1: I'm excited to find out, you know, for myself, what everyone else has found out about life. Are you going to, are you, <laughs> you going to, you're not going to get married anytime soon. No. You're not one of these people. Pedi- no, I'm not, I'm not thinking about it okay, like yeah. that. No. You're too
0: young. Yeah. I mean, not that you can't get married young, but like, take your time. No, you time.
1: like, I freak out when I sign an apartment lease. Okay. I totally freak out about <laughs> it. I'm like upset the whole year. Yeah, about it.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So, and you've been in L.A. And I feel like you guys have been doing all this like fun stuff in Los Angeles. Uh, you showed up. You're at a at some fancy party uh, in the hills. Tell me about this. What happened? This
1: was the Rap Genius uh, Mansion reading. Yeah, but you also went to like a pool party and you were like...
0: Oh, with Sheila Hetty. And you're in a hot tub and what the hell's going on? And you were wearing a, a very uh, so, elaborate
1: t-shirt. So, uh, Mir and I were at the Rap Genius uh, house and they gave what us, is What is Rap Genius? Rap Genius is this website where you can annotate text, like lyrics rap songs. Is it a big deal? Rap songs. It's a big deal because they got a huge investment. From whom? Uh, this company, I forget the name, it's a partnership that invests in like Facebook and Twitter and that kind of thing. And and just annotated rap lyrics is this big of a business. Um, is it social media? It's got a community. It's got a community. Um, the way Wikipedia has a community. And so it's, anyone can go in and annotate lyrics and, uh, including the artists themselves. So like Nas is verified, can go in and say, this is what I mean when I say this one part of my song. Okay. Um, and then people can annotate, like, Poetry um, on the Road, you know, by Kerouac, I think, is up there. Entire um, entire novels. I'm pretty sure that uh, one of the interns said he just uploaded that. So, you know, when they uh, say, like, you know, whatever the pseudonym for Keezy is or whatever you know, or Ginsburg or whatever, then they can annotate it and say, this is what he's referencing
0: ra- at dot com or something. Yeah. Okay.
1: So they got a big investment and they're living extremely lavishly in LA and who's in New they? York, these three founders. And there's one in LA who's the most controversial one. He told Mark Zuckerberg to suck his dick <laughs> and like started a feud with Warren Buffett. So wait, what? I don't know, man. He started a feud with Warren Buffett. <sighs> so yeah, he has this—he has this insane persona. Okay, right. What's his um, name? Makbod Maghadam I think. Okay, is how it's pronounced. And um, he's the only one in LA, and he's got this house with these two interns who are both like really nice dudes, and they're all super nice. And invited me and Mira to read at their house while they have a party. Um, and why, how did you guys get connected with these people? I don't know. I think, okay. So night? one of the interns, um, is friends with Jordan Castro. Okay. And so he knew about Mira and me and invited both of us to read. All right. And introduced us to Makbode and we've been hanging out for a few days. Um, it's, it's exactly as, as insane and improbable as it sounds. How much money did they get? Seventeen million.
0: And they're just blowing through it. Are they doing lots of drugs?
1: Uh they give off the image to that they are, but I haven't seen any drugs really. Okay. So they're just but they're just Maybe like they're par- throwing parties and they're Yeah. Yeah. Um so I I got a shirt there when we first visited. They have like a bunch of like rap genius swag lighters and whatever. They and they have this bright fuck fuck swag. V neck t shirt that I got. And it's just a shirt that's black and then has bright, bold text, multicolored text that says fuck, fuck swag. Right. And uh, Sheila Hetty invited Mira to uh, come to a dinner party. Okay. And Mira said, Can I bring my editor? Because I'm in LA, kind of dependent <laughs> on Mira for social activities. And uh, she initially said no and then said, Actually, yeah, he can come. And they were picturing. What do you mean? She said no. You couldn't come. Yeah, because it's not her party. Oh. Okay. So you know, like Mira was going to be kind of like a plus one, and then I would be a plus two or whatever. Oh right. So. Um, and and when when Mira said, "Can I bring my editor?" They were picturing like an old guy in a suit, you know, <laughs> like a New York editor or whatever and You're so a New York editor I thought it would be funny Mira and I I convinced Mira that it would be funny that I come as her editor and wear this fuck fuck swag t-shirt to this like nice Hollywood or uh Silver Lake um Mira what did you think of this were you were you uh I was supportive super, Well I was super embarrassed and then he, like, really wore me down, and finally I was like, okay, like, you can wear the shirt, and I'll introduce you as my editor. I kept telling her it's a great career move.
0: How did it, how did it go over? Did they say anything about it? The,
1: so, the, I, I figured that the irony wouldn't be lost, and that it would be funny. Like, we, we could all laugh about it, that I walk in wearing this shirt. And I, I told Mira in the car on the way over, the worst thing that could possibly happen is no one brings it up. <laughs>
0: And that's what happened. That's
1: exactly what happened. <laughs> and so I'm in this dude's house. It's like his 43rd birthday. Okay. So let's, let's take us to this house. Where is this house? Is in this si- house is in Silver Lake and it's up like up in the hill, up in like the hill, some hill area. All right. Super nice house. Whose incredibly house is Incredibly nice house. This guy, Joshua Wolfshank. Okay. Um, who's a writer and who's got, somehow got a house up at the top of a mountain. Yeah. All right. And it it was an incredibly nice area. It was dark. It was nighttime. There's like no street lights, just these beautiful houses Mira and I pull up in her big shitty car <laughs> and like, I roll out in this fuck, fuck swag t-shirt and I'm like, I'm like 20 years younger than everyone else at this dinner party. So this guy, he opens the door. It's his 43rd birthday. And I'm sure he's thinking like Sheila invited these. Oh shit my God. Heads. I had, I had a child with a woman
0: in high school and now he's come, he's come yeah, back to see me.
1: Exactly. Um, um, and it was, I, I, no one said anything. I introduced myself. In fact, when Sheila came over to the entrance to, like, you know, welcome us, I said to Sheila, uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> As a joke or just no, nervously? No, just like, just nervously. And then I'm like, I mean, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> and I'm wearing this horrible Was it t-shirt. Was it an
0: awkward event? I mean, did you, then you started drinking. We
1: warmed of- up to each other and it was it was fantastic. It was so nice. Everyone was so warm. Yeah. Like, I played ping pong with the guy. Uh, he had the national playing all night. We got in a hot tub. Okay. And well, like, wait, it's okay. This is what... It, you're there. Did you bring
0: a swimming suit? or did No. You-
1: no, he gave me a huge... Swim tr- pair of swim trunks with like a uh, netting. They didn't it... have the netting. Locally. Okay, I was going to say you don't want to. I I wore I wore my underwear underneath it just because you know it's just flowy. Just to be yeah, you don't um, want to. Okay, I just like if somebody's at you're at somebody's house and they're
0: like oh here's some trunks. You don't like... want to wear their netting trunks. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Miro, what did you what did you wear? Did you just jump into this hot tub in your clothing?
1: Uh, Sheila or maybe it was Sheila's friend Margo. Let me like a sports bra and a pair of shorts that I wore into the hot tub. Okay, yeah, everyone looked fine. What was everyone else? Everyone else had swimming suits. Yeah, because two of them lived there, and then Sheila and her friend maybe came kind of prepared. I don't really remember, but right. it seemed. Fine. Were you drunk at this point when it was like Let's we all? Get in the we've pool. all had a few glasses of wine by that point. Okay, but not. It wasn't sloppy. No, um, and yeah, so it was super nice, and I felt I felt like such an asshole for like not just being nice and normal from the beginning, like having to come in with this security blanket of like an insane T-shirt. <laughs> Um, and I just felt like a total douche. And did you did you bring up? Did you broach the subject? So by the end, I'm like changing back into my clothes, and so I have the fuck fuck swag shirt back on. And the guy says, "So what's the deal with the shirt?" <laughs> and I'm like, I have to go into this whole convoluted story about rap genius, like I was doing ten minutes ago just now. Yeah, yeah. And explain how I thought it would be funny. And Mira comes over and she says, "Oh, did you ask him about the shirt?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well that's cool. But I mean I feel like that's uh you know you've been in Los Angeles for a very short amount of time and you're going to parties uh at elevation.
1: Yeah, I mean it seems, seems much more exciting than it is. Than it was. M- Mira I'm s- trying to draw out yeah, some I'm trying to squeeze that's this. Like, with some that's like that's like 5% of my experience in LA. 95% is like me and Mira eating tacos alone <laughs> and like making each other feel worse than we feel respectively. <laughs>
0: Is this true? Can you confirm this?
1: That's absolutely true. 100% confirmed. All
0: right. So it doesn't sound, sounds like you're going to go back to New York. I would have guessed that you would come out here. This is what most people from New York do. They come out and they're like, maybe I should move to Los Angeles. And then they go back to New York. Yeah. That's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I'm much more open to LA this time around. I I visited Mira like a year ago and that was the first time we met in person. And I just felt something about the slower pace and like the calmer people here. Makes me feel more anxious and neurotic, like I have to compensate for how happy everyone is by being more <laughs> aggressively upset, and are people more aggressively upset in New York for real like detectably I think collectively, collectively yeah, collectively we're a more upset people, <laughs> <laughs> we're struggling more and like I feel like in New York you can see people's problems on their face. Well, and they're, you're also out on the street
0: with each other. Right. In a more concentrated in, in way than yeah. in L.A. where everyone's boxed in their cars.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so there's something about that feeling in New York of, like, you know, like, this train is just fucking us right now. And we're not going to get home for another hour because, like, it's running local or something like that. Like, that feeling feels more at home to me than, like... Someone like genuinely uh, asking me how I'm doing in like a beautiful LA bakery. You know, (laughs) I just like I don't like it. It it makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel like how should I be doing? You know, (laughs) like what do you mean by that? And and I'm not like that. But here it like I can't order. I just like if I sit down at a restaurant in LA, I can't make a decision. You can't because because all the options are so nice and healthy. And they're like selling me on the person I should be rather than the person I am. (laughs) And I, it makes me super anxious, but I've been better this time around because I've had maybe a harder year in New York, um, than the years before when I first visited. And I'm like more ready to accept, um, feeling better. Well, and plus, you know, cities are
0: different. There's a different, you know, you, you go from LA to New York and you've got to adjust to a whole world of differences there. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, like, of the mind that I could live anywhere. hmm I mean, maybe I would like some places better than others, but, you know, you give yeah. it, if you live somewhere for a year, you'll adjust. Yeah. You have to live there for at least a year.
1: I, I feel the same way. Like, I, I, of course, like, I think a lot of people have a, an interest in traveling, but I only want to do it for increments of, like, at minimum, like, six months, because I feel like the whole point is to get to know a place intimately the way the people who live there know it. Have you been overseas? Uh, when I was young. Yeah. When I was young, um, but I have lived in other parts of the country for like shorter increments, but like where where I actually pay rent and kind of live there. Um, Western Massachusetts in a town called Great Barrington. Why were you out there? It was just an opportunity, and it seems that like I have cycles where I just need to get out, get out, and what do you mean an go wherever that goes. My friend was like, I have a house here and there's a room open and
0: that's all it took. Okay. You're like, fine. Yeah. And is that like bucolic, like hilly Massachusetts? Yeah,
1: it was beautiful. Um, Western Massachusetts. I wasn't too far away from Northampton or, I mean, I was really close to New York, like right over the border um, with the Hudson Valley towns and stuff like that. And it was, yeah, it was really nice, but I didn't have any purpose there. It was the same kind of thing where it's like, I've accrued savings and it's different and that's all I want.
0: And then you were like, I gotta get back to New
1: York. Yeah, and then yeah, it makes me anxious that I'm out there and not you know, back in New York. Are you a hustling. good are, Yeah, are you a good hustler? Like do you think that like you're you
0: have a facility for networking and like does that part of it exhaust you in New York or is it something that you enjoy?
1: So I think in New York I feel like it's on my own terms a lot. Um, because so there's the Mellow Pages Library, yeah. Which is like there's readings there almost every night, and it's run by like two of the best dudes I, I know. I have one of them, I, Matt I, Nelson. I had Matt Nelson on the show. Yeah, I have such a friend crush on Matt Nelson. He's hilarious. He's beautiful. <laughs> have you seen him? <laughs> yeah, he's like a, he's like an angel. Those guys are. Uh, those guys are truly likable yeah like just super friendly they're from seattle like they talk slower and they listen better yeah and they're they're just like awesome people and so like so what was the deal with the whole the whole exxon mobil thing was a joke yeah it seems like a confused
0: attempt (laughs) to make like a joke that everybody took (laughs) seriously for
1: yeah i haven't talked to them about it since because i've kind of once i decided i was going to la i like stopped socializing in new york
0: you were like, I gotta cut this off. Were yeah. you thinking before you left like this might be it? I might be moving to LA? Yeah. Yeah. But now you're balking and you're saying I'm gonna go back to New York.
1: I'm I'm not saying anything for sure. You're not. No. If I'm those rap what... genius guys have an open room, <laughs> would you take it? <laughs> I don't drive, so it'd be oh. super hard to live in like the hills of Bel Air.
0: You'd have to live on the west side
1: if yeah. you're on a bike. I'd have to live near Mira. That's what I keep talking about because it's if I were to move to LA I'd want to be with Mira. So that she can drive me places, right? But it's super hard to live near Mira because she has her parents own a house, yeah. but you know, rent otherwise is really difficult.
0: You'd have to get a room. And the thing too is that this side of town is a lot harder to bike in than the west side. Like yeah. you can actually navigate.
1: Yeah, I mean, it also like I just I don't know if I could fit in well with LA because I don't drive and because I don't have well, like do you mean? Well, a, get your get your community. License.
0: What do you mean you don't? Like, you can get it. You can get. I'm
1: your- opposed to it. Oh, like you really don't want to have a car? No, I don't want to drive. Why? You think it's bad for the environment. It's bad for the environment, I think it's bad for people. I think it's bad for cities. I I don't I don't think there's anything redeeming about it besides like efficiency. Well, what about people who need to like commute and like get to work and stuff? I I don't blame them for driving, but I do blame cars for like demanding infrastructure that makes it so that they have to drive to work. Right. I mean, in LA, it's. I felt so indignant when a cop yelled at me for jaywalking because I feel like I'm the pedestrian trying to walk in a city and I shouldn't be like a second priority to cars. Right. Like the fact that I have to like push a button and wait, like just across the street just feels super bad to me.
0: Well, and there's this whole story and I might be screwing up the history, but I think I have like the broad strokes, right? Where back in the day when there was still time, to uh, engineer the city layout of Los Angeles with regard to public transportation and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. The automotive companies came in and lobbied to shut down like train and I don't know if it was subway or if it was above ground like light rail plans or whatever it was because that was a huge market for them because it yeah. such a huge landmass, Right. And they wanted people on the road. So all of the congestion that you find and all of the ridiculousness and lack of public transportation in Los Is Angeles. This corporate interests. Yeah yeah and that makes perfect i mean it makes perfect sense to me why would they want to seed this market but it fucks the life uh the quality of life up
1: for everyone up. else who, yeah. yeah and yeah and it it's also just a totally like class structured thing like cars are just inherently class structured um from the perspective of like can you afford to have a car and drive a car and fill it with gas also just like they're they're Mobile emblems of class, you in know, Los, like if you BMWs are anti that, and brands and like all this, like, yeah, Los Angeles is the world
0: capital of that. Right. Or one of them anyways. like, yeah, this is a, such a car culture. Like people, I think it's because they spend so much time in their cars, mm-hmm. especially commuters. That they're like, I want to be comfortable. Right, because
1: it's an integral part of their life. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I'm just going to drive. It's like I'm spending... Two hours a day. Yeah, I'm spending like cumulatively maybe a year of my life inside of this thing, you know? How miserable. Yeah. And then also just as a cyclist, like someone who's always getting around by bike, um, I have a very antagonistic relationship with cars. Yeah. you wear a helmet? I wear a helmet. I always have lights on me. I'm like... I follow the traffic rules and I just get people who will just say, I'll fucking kill you because I'm not like letting them push me into the park cars. Like I'm in the center of the lane. I was in New York in December. Remember
0: when there was that weird warm snap? Like we caught it so strange. We came from LA wanting to like show our daughter winter. Oh yeah.
1: And you had a nice weekend. It was like 65 degrees. It was
0: like people wearing t-shirts at night. And, uh, I took one of the city bikes out Mm -hmm. on, you know, it was like Saturday of that weekend or whatever. Uh And I rode from downtown all the way uptown on the, you know, upper west side side path. Because they have, yeah, they have, well, they have, and they have, you know, bike lanes. Right. It's not too bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. You know, you can get around Manhattan on a bike. I think that's awesome. I hope, I hope it continues because, um, it's healthier. You get some of the cars off the road. Like yeah. Los Angeles, um, God, we're really getting off on a tangent with this bike stuff, but it bums me out. Like Los Angeles for as good of a wet, you know, as good a weather as it has should have way better sidewalk cafes yeah. and should have like way better bike lanes.
1: Yeah. I I've been saying this too. It's just, it's insane that a city that is so nice for walking just doesn't have sidewalks in certain parts, you know, like uh, it's just good. not made for it.
0: So poorly engineered. Yeah. That's, what's a bummer. It's a waste of it's, you know, it's, it's poorly designed space. It could be so much better. Yeah. What are we going to do, Spencer? Maybe this is our mission.
1: <laughs> well, I think this podcast is going to just change everyone's minds. <laughs> this is it. So uh,
0: 20 years from now. If you don't to, do because, it, don't do it. You can't. No, you no, idea. different question. You don't have no idea. Mira, where are you going to be 20 years from now?
1: Don't ask me that, Brad. Don't do that. You can have like six kids. Don't make it like that. It weird. You're just being sadistic because you're like older and you can do this. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm
0: curious because I, I'm going to be interested to follow it. Like you're obviously a bright guy. You're talented. You're motivated. You're actualizing things um, that aren't necessarily easy to actualize. And you're very, very young. And I think that the business that we're in in publishing uh, is changing. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's. Do you feel like it's stabilizing at all, or does it feel still like it's really volatile? I feel like
1: it's growing. I honestly feel like it's growing. I think. I think it's super exciting. I think it's like maybe. I think for me, it's the most exciting. Like quote industry I could be a part of.
0: Okay. But this is the, this is the question because I, I agree it's growing indie, you know, indie presses are sprouting up like dandelions everywhere. Anybody can do it. Right. Or, you know, not anybody, but right. it's it, the barrier to entry is low. It's very low.
1: Yeah.
0: So, and there's lots of books. Like I want to say like, it's like a million books are pouring right. into the market in any given year, right. give or take. So how do you make any money?
1: How do you carve out market share? Uh, so I think, and I think this, pertains to all young art and, like, art industry, young art industry, like, rappers who have, like, really popular, like, Bandcamp or SoundCloud pages and, like, big Twitter followings. Like, I think this goes across the board that there's a lot of money to go around, but it's spread out amongst more people. So the goal for me as a writer is not to get the big publishing deal anymore. The goal... Is to not have to depend on getting a big publishing deal,
0: but to be supported by like your Twitter fans,
1: right? How do you get a lot of Twitter fans? You just tweet constantly? <laughs> Honestly. Like, what the fuck do you have to do to get people to follow you on Twitter and be excited about your Twitter? This is fully a personal thing that I can't help you through. Really? <laughs> what do you mean? Do you this mean? is about Brad's Twitter all of a sudden. Um, I know. <laughs> I just, I do, I mean, I, you, I,
0: I just, social media, I find it so exhausting. Uh-huh. And yet it can be fun. Like, I think Twitter is my favorite because it's like one liners. Yeah. And, like, I feel like I'm semi-decent at it. Yeah. I'm not terrible at it. No. But it's, like, <laughs> the amount... You're, like... Are you, are you... Do you and Mira think I'm secretly bad? Do you guys secretly think I'm terrible at <laughs> You asked me the same
1: thing on my podcast. Well,
0: see, I'm trying to figure it out. It's a, it, it perplexes me because I don't know what makes people... I mean, you know, because, like, in order for you to, to actualize the model that you're talking about where you're sustained by, like, your social media fan base, you, you would need... Because, like, for, if you have 50,000 Twitter fans... Mm-hmm. And then you put a book out. Yeah, that doesn't mean fifty thousand people are going to buy that book. It means like five hundred, right? You know, like are going to convert or whatever. Yeah. So, we're talking like the, the amount of work you would have to do to build
1: that following. Yeah, is absurd. Well, I think the w- way that I look at it is, I think there's a difference here. Is uh-huh. and you may not have intended it, but it's a way a lot of people and especially writers look at it is they look at social media as work. They look at it as, like, how is this cost-effective? They look at it as, like, a chore. Like, I'm a writer, and now I have to be on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I think that Twitter can fully be a part of the art and not a labor that is that. N- necessary for the art.
0: Yeah, but what if no one's... no one, If you're making it the art, but you've only got, like, 2,000 people or 5,000 people looking at it... I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, just, I guess it's, like, how do you make the math work so that, like, it's supporting... You so that you can pay your. I rent. mean, if
1: you, I don't think you can look at it that way. You can't look at any single thing as the answer to your problems. Like, there's no secret to making it in any field, and like Twitter is just like this really awesome opportunity to be funny and engage with people. And as a writer, you should be able to be good at that in 140 characters. Like, it's just like okay. So you're good at it. I'm good at it. Mira's really. She's you know her volume is, is high. I mean, like someone asked Mira on this like internet panel last night like uh is she marketing her persona, and that's like totally backwards to me because it's like they're they're thinking like, oh, Mira's putting on a character to she sell is. books she is though i think I don't think she is either and I- it's it's i mean it's like it's her, and you're joking. But there's persona inherent in any social media presentation. There's, per, there's persona inherent in any presentation. Right. And so I don't think that it should be looked at as this kind of like cheap thing because I think like Mira's Twitter account is as funny and interesting, if not more, than her fucking poetry. Like, I, I think I would like much rather if Twitter didn't exist, like put that all together and then publish that as a book.
0: I agree. I think some, because that I can, I can find myself enjoying reading twitter as much or more than i find myself enjoying reading a book
1: exactly so why why look at it as this chore when it can be a product in and of itself like there's so many awesome people who are quote on weird twitter who are just like these regular people working regular jobs often like probably shitty jobs somewhere in the country who are just like enormously popular and funny and interesting on twitter and do you think i'm good at twitter Jesus (laughs) Christ! (laughs) but you know what i mean it's like it is an awesome thing for writers because you're not dependent on a publisher to promote your work and to do a good job you can do it yourself you're not dependent on the big publishing deal right you're not dependent on other people in places of power to approve of you you can come to them with a wider audience than whoever they're putting out today
0: right no i mean you can i mean i just think in order for it to really be a needle mover, it's got to be pretty significant following. Unless, unless I'm wrong. I could, I'm, I'm no expert on this. It just seems like that. Like you would need six figure following before publishers would start to go.
1: But what if you don't even like need publishers because the people that you want to reach are the people who would follow you on Twitter or already are. Yeah. And those are the people that you want to think you're cool anyway, because they're, Actual people and not just like reviewers, right, who like really I don't think hold any cultural cachet anymore, and so, why even bother with a publisher who's not gonna know how to talk to those people? yeah, you know, go with the small press publisher who understands what's going on in the world, you know, who like knows you know how to how to sell a poetry book to a an audience that isn't used to reading poetry, you know. Right. Not to other poets. Right. And MFA students. Right. You know?
0: Well, that's the thing, is that, you know, especially with poetry, it's usually just academics and other right. poets. And... Right. But you're writing poetry for the masses. <laughs> for your masses. Honestly. Yeah. You think so? Um,
1: I don't... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I'm writing... I think the goal of this book was what I said to myself... I had read a few books that were similarly structured. Um, Letters to Wendy's by Joe Wenderoff and um, some French things. The Notebooks of Joseph Joubert. And they're kind of these, like, tweet-like books. Like, they're similarly accessible and short on each page. And uh, personal. They're hyper-personal, kind of like musings and that kind of thing. And so I, I said, what if I... It's structured by date. And I said, what if I got up and just said I'm going to write for like 25 minutes to an hour yeah. and I don't worry about having to have a narrative tissue or plot and I don't worry about it being good or bad. I just, whatever came to mind the same way when you sit down to compose a tweet, it's like, I'm just going to write one and then whatever comes to mind, I'll send it out if it's good. And so that was the idea. And so it's really like a personal thing. I mean, I, I don't think I'm like high and mighty and I don't think that I'm not writing for an audience I think I'm clearly trying to entertain myself that's highly informed by an audience and the people around me who yeah. might also hopefully enjoy it. Yeah. So it's it's kind of inextricable in that way.
0: I like personal.
1: Yeah. That's how I mean that's kind of how I feel as a reader and maybe that's a function
0: of having been immersed in social media for the past decade or whatever mm-hmm. is that um I get frustrated a lot of times with fiction because I'm like just tell me but just tell me
1: that's we- how I feel about poetry too yeah, it's like, yeah exactly but yeah, it's, it's like, like what are you trying to say what are you trying to say just yeah. tell me
0: Like, I, and what's the problem here yeah. are you okay
1: yes exactly
0: <laughs> and that's why I think
1: I do this show it's like okay well if they're not going to tell me on the page then I can just talk to them and they can just tell
0: me what the fuck is going on
1: <laughs> yeah I often feel like oh if this great writer is informed by all these other like even better canonical writers I should just read his one book right and then get them all in I've had the same knock thought. them down right <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man! Well, I could keep talking. This is fun. It's good to finally meet you in person and to sit across from you and uh, to hear you know to hear your thoughts. I'm sorry that I'm so neurotic about Twitter. I'm working (laughs) on it, and uh, I thank you for your time. I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip and your stay in Los Angeles. Yes, thank you, Brad. All right, guys, there you go. That is Spencer Madsen. His new book is called You Can Make Anything Sad. It's due out from Publishing Genius Press in April 2014. Go get it. You can find Spencer online at Twitter, where his handle is at Spencer Madsen. He's active on the Tumblr. He's probably active on the Facebook. I have no idea. But you can find him. He's on your computer. Uh, Have a look at Sorry House. Go get some Sorry House books. Thanks to Kill Rockstars for all the great music, as always. Be sure to check out KillRockstars.com. Don't forget to go get that free audiobook from Audible. Just visit audibletrial.com slash people and download an audiobook of your choosing on the house. Also, don't forget about the app, the free official Other People app available now for your iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, or Android device. You get the app and then you sign up for premium so you can have access to every single episode whenever you want, wherever you go. Okay? So that was enjoyable, I thought. I enjoyed that. Spencer, an enjoyable young man. He's only 21. Doing all this stuff. So uh, I feel like it's going to be an interesting future. Will it be a bright future? I hope so. (laughs) I can't make predictions. He deserves one. He's a bright guy. I'm sure he'll figure it out. But it's tough in publishing. We all know that. It's like a high wire act. So I hope that was pleasant for you. I hope you feel uh, nourished by this content. Please remember that Milton died of gout. And that Louis Ferdinand Celine died of a brain aneurysm. Uh, that's it for now. Thanks again to Spencer Madsen. Go get his book. Thanks to Publishing Genius Press. Thanks to you for listening and uh, for supporting the program. I appreciate it. And I will be back again in just a few days with another episode, another conversation with another bookish type human being. Okay? All right. Let's take a deep breath just to clear our heads. On the count of three. One, two, three.